the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so there was these three young men who stood tall when everybody else bowed low in the crowd. You know, they were men of faith. And faith means obeying God regardless of the feelings within us, the circumstances around us, or the consequences in front of us. We're going to learn more about difficult circumstances and faith on this visit from Pastor Leighton Sheely during Study Verse by Verse. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you've joined us today. Difficult circumstances and faith sounds timely to me. How about you? (laughs) Thanks for coming along as uh, Pastor Leighton spends more time in the book of Daniel, starting the third message in this series called Two Kingdoms, all of which can be found on the website for Church of the Highlands in San Bruno at highlands.us. The two kingdoms are the physical, which we live in, and the spiritual kingdom, unseen, but all around us. He's in the second chapter of Daniel and begins with an answer to a question that is often asked about the best-known story in this book. This is a story that's in the book of Daniel, but Daniel is not mentioned. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo are mentioned. Why isn't Daniel mentioned? As I was reading through the various scholars' interpretation, they had all these theories about he was there and he was here and he was doing I think the text gives us the answer to the question. Notice the last verse of the previous chapter. Daniel made a request to the king and he pointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. I think the answer to the question is Daniel was at the king's court. Think about it. This guy is a national treasure. Somebody can not only interpret dreams but tell you what the dream was, The king isn't going to let him out very far. He's going to keep him protected in the palace. And I think that the passage here is telling us where Daniel was. He was at the palace. Uh, Some people would say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Isn't that a piece of information that's in the previous chapter? Well, the chapters and verses uh, didn't exist until the 13th and 16th centuries, respectively. So when you read the original, it was just one story straight through. Uh, Chapters and verses were added as study aids, but sometimes they can get in the way of us understanding the Scripture. So I think the answer to that question is provided for us in the text. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The writer likes to repeat lists here. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image the king that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace." Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, list again, and all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
Now, when Daniel had explained the uh, image in chapter 2 that Nebuchadnezzar had seen in his dream, he described Nebuchadnezzar as the head of gold. And uh, this may have inspired the king to, to make an image entirely of gold. There's obviously a sense of, of, of pride here. So instead of humbling himself before God, who was the one who gave him the kingdom, the, the dream caused Nebuchadnezzar to be filled with pride. And so he made an entire image of gold to represent the kingdom that he thought he had built. Now, we don't know how much time had elapsed between the events in chapter 2 and the events in chapter 3. Some students believe that it might have occurred some 20 years after the events in chapter 2, around the time of the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. There are two ancient Greek manuscripts that uh, begin the chapter with the phrase, in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, these phrases were not included in the English uh, translations, but uh, many scholars believe that these events in chapter 3 took place about 20 years after the events in chapter 2. Herodotus uh, describes two statues in Marduk's temple. Marduk was the main god of Babylon, and uh, both of solid gold. One was of the god Bel, seated on a golden throne. The image and the golden table next to it were reported to have used 22 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. There was a second described as a statue of a man. Herodotus says it was 15 feet high. Other accounts put it at 18 feet. The Persian king Xerxes melted it down in 482 B.C., and the resulting gold billion weighed 800 pounds. You know, huge statues were not unknown in the ancient world. In fact, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was Colossus at Rhodes, that was built in 280 B.C., just a few centuries after this image by Nebuchadnezzar. It was reported to be over 100 feet tall, maybe 108 feet tall. So a 90-foot statue is not by any means out of the realm of possibility. It must have been an awesome sight to see the Middle Eastern sun reflecting off this golden image standing tall in the plains of Dura, just a few miles from Babylon. The planes were flat like, like an airport, and so uh, it allowed a great multitude to assemble for worship and see this image. And uh, this was more than, uh, than just a political assembly. It was also a religious service. Uh, you'll note that the word worship is used 11 times in this chapter. Some people don't really know what wor- worship is. Worship is sort of like worth-ship. We worship what is worth something to us. And in this case, of course, true worship comes from the heart, but these people might have been worshiping this image on the outside, but really they were worshiping comfort and safety uh, within. Nebuchadnezzar knew the power of music, that it has the ability to stir people's emotions, people's hearts, people's passions, and so forth. I had some friends take us to the symphony on Friday night, and as the symphony was swelling towards the culmination, I felt like standing up and saluting or something, you know. This music is used uh, to uh, strengthen nationalism and motivate armies in conquest and, and all kinds of things. It has an ability to affect and influence those who are under its influence. And so what Nebuchadnezzar was seeking to do was to bring together the tribes and tongues and peoples of his kingdom under one totalitarian government. He was trying to establish a world religion. It was really a repetition of the Tower of Babel. He wanted to use this religion and fear to unify his kingdom. So he gave people the alter- alternative. You can either worship this image or you can be burned to death. 
And the king sent out messengers into all the provinces of his empire, commanding officials to gather together for the uh, dedication of this image. There are eight levels of offices that are named specifically, probably in descending order of importance. Uh, Satraps were in charge of the main division of the empire. Prefects were their assistants. Um, Governors were the heads of subdivisions and so forth. So basically, every level of authority was represented uh, and all were expected to be present. These were the leaders of the nation. And the herald stood up and told them what was about to happen. It was a matter of life and death. At the sound of the music, they would either fall down and worship the image or they would die. Now, these were people of Babylon. Babylon was known of, of having many temples and many gods. And so it was not something that they were unaccustomed to, going to some temple and bowing before some statue. It was easy to obey, especially in light of the consequences for not doing so. You see, the difference between a true believer and the unbeliever is not the presence or absence of faith, because everybody believes in something. But the difference is the object of faith. The crowd that day believed in the king and the herald, and therefore they obeyed. These three Hebrew young men believed in the commandment of God, and so they disobeyed. And this assembly helps us to better understand the situation, the plight of people today who don't know Jesus Christ. They just blindly follow the crowd uh, building their lives on things that are futile and false, concerned primarily with their own survival, doing anything that it takes to escape danger and death, even to the point of kneeling down or worshiping false images. It's quite the opposite of what a true believer believes. Jesus said, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The words of Jesus. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, a harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the old golden image that you have set up. It says certain Chaldeans, certain Chaldeans. Not all Chaldeans, just certain Chaldeans. What separated this group of Chaldeans from the rest? Well, it might be, it's implied here, that they had a jealousy towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because you remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been placed over them. And so there was these three young men who stood tall when everybody else bowed low in the crowd. You know, they were men of faith. And faith means obeying God regardless of the feelings within us, the circumstances around us, or the consequences in front of us. True faith isn't frightened by threats, impressed by crowds, swayed by superstitious ceremonies. True faith obeys the Lord, trusts Him to work out the consequences. These young men knew the law of God, that you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. And so to even bow down to this image once would have destroyed their witness and broken their fellowship with God. In the passage that describes the temptation of Christ. There's a, a tense of the Greek verb that's used in Matthew 4, 9, which indicates that Satan asked Jesus to worship him just once. Just once, Jesus, if you'll bow down, I will give you 
all of the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus refused to bow once. These young men refused to bow even once. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? When, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Well, most of us know the answer to that question, but we'll hear it anyway when we come back with the next visit from Pastor Leighton Sheely on Study Verse by Verse. If you pick things up midway, this is a daily broadcast supported in part by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and the many listeners who help with their contributions. You can give safely on our website, and you can check out all of the unique ways in which ministry and worship are continuing. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. The doors at the church may be closed. Well, they are closed. (laughs) But the teaching and outreach continues at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout, hoping you have a blessed rest of your day and can come back tomorrow at this same time when we'll study verse by verse.